0: Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Welcome to our second service and those who are, you arrived for our third service. And um, today we are starting a series in the book of 2nd Timothy and as we walk through this this book verse by verse I always love when we do a book study because it causes us to focus deep into God's Word and and just chisel out every nugget that we can and and take all the marrow we can out of the bone and learn deep truths from God's Word <clears throat> now Paul wrote this second letter to Timothy from the loneliness of a dungeon while awaiting his likely death. In fact, in verse 4, or verse 6 of chapter 4, he says, As for me, my life is already being poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. So he knew that that was coming, and he was attempting to fortify Timothy for staying steadfast in the ministry after Paul is gone. So let's begin reading at verse 1 of chapter 1 of 2 Timothy. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ, Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. Now we can stop right there and say to each of you, because if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the second part of that verse is for you every believer has been called out to tell others about life about the life that he has promised God has promised through faith in Christ Jesus we are all called to that mission verse 2 I am writing to Timothy, my dear son, not a biological son, but his spiritual son. He said, may God the Father in Christ Jesus, our Lord, give you grace, mercy, and peace. And it's always in that order. If you want to have peace with God, there's only one way that you can have true peace with holy God. And that is that you experience his grace and not only his grace, but his mercy so grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. You and I don't deserve salvation. We do deserve punishment, eternal punishment. And so the way we have grace with, uh, peace with God that Jesus gave, he came to be a peacemaker, and he didn't mean bringing peace to the world. He meant having peace with God. And so it's through the grace and mercy of holy God that you can have, great, uh, have peace with God. And that is the only way that you can experience that. Verse 3, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Now think about that for a moment. Paul Paul served God with a clear conscience before he knew about Jesus. He was very faithful to the Jewish traditions, to the Jewish law. He kept it uh, with earnest and he sought to practice that. And it was a long family tradition. And, And so he served God in the old way with a clear conscience because he didn't know about Jesus. But once he met Jesus, he now served in a different way. And now he really had a clear conscience. You see, before, he had a clear conscience that he gave himself. I'm right because I do all the right things. I'm right with God because I've checked all these boxes off. But now he experienced a clear conscience that only holy God can give because I am in right relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. So he indeed experienced a clear conscience. And then he says, Night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. Now stop and think about this. Here this man is in a dungeon, a dark, dingy, damp dungeon, probably just had the ground to lay on and a rock for his head. And he's not writing to Timothy, feeling sorry for himself, but rather he's choosing to focus on the joy. He's saying, Timothy, I I think about you all the time. I pray for you constantly. and, And my heart is filled with joy when I think about you. And I remember your genuine faith. That uh, you share the faith that was first filled in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And and I know that same faith continues strong in you. You see, some of you, you can relate to that. You came from a family of faith. Um, Maybe it's gone back many generations. For Timothy, it went back two generations. And maybe for you, it's many more generations. But some of you may be the first generation. Regardless of when that faith came into your family, you can rejoice, whether you're the first generation believer in your family or you're from a long line of believers. You can rejoice and be thankful for that. Now, here's what I want you to notice about Paul. He could, he, he had a lot to feel sorry about, to feel sorry for, you know, he could have been writing Timothy and and saying, listen, this is bad here. I'm in trouble. I think I'm going to die. I think they're going to put me to death. And, and, uh, I I just don't know what I'm going to do. And, and you won't believe the conditions I'm in. It's horrible. He didn't do that. He was very positive and he was focused, you know, as you get older, those of you who are my age and older, You know what I mean when I say things don't always work like they used to, right? I mean, the knees don't always work the way they used to, and, and getting up may take a little longer, and, and uh, just, you know, things, your body aches, and you have certain pains that, and, and you know, to, when, you, when something messes up, it takes a lot longer to recover or for a wound to heal, you know, just part of the aging process. Now, you can choose to focus on that. You can spend all of your time letting everybody know about all your aches and pains, or you can choose to focus on the things that encourage and build up. About 12 years ago, I was in a bad car wreck. And one of the consequences of that um, was it caused ringing in my ears, tinnitus. And, and, um, and, and it's something that's always there, but I, I don't hear it. My, my brain has adjusted to it. And, uh, but the only time I do hear it is when somebody walks up to me and says, Hey, do you still have that ringing in your ears? And I look at him, I say, well, I do now. (laughs) You you see, I don't hear it unless I think about it. So just the fact that I just brought it up, it's really loud right now. And, and so it it just, but it's always there and it's always loud, but my brain compensates and I don't focus on it. And then I quit hearing it. So when you focus on the joyful things, if you're always finding ways to build someone up, to encourage someone, if you're focusing on the things that we can shout hallelujah about and the things that, are, that, are, that God is doing, then you stop thinking about the aches and the pains and the ringing in the ears. You stop thinking about the things that aren't working right. You stop thinking about the dungeons of your life. I mean, when you focus on the dungeons of your life, the dungeon has a way of getting even darker and damper and more desperate. And Paul chose to focus on that spark of sunlight that snuck through that dungeon And his name was Timothy. And he chose to be an encourager to Timothy. Gratitude is a sacrifice that continually pleases God. And Paul chose to be a person of gratitude. I think you'll find that when you allow gratitude in your life, and you keep it there, you will find that that is a sacrifice that continually pleases God. And how do I know that? Well, Hebrews 13, 15. It's not in your notes, but mark it down. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. So, praising God... Building people up, proclaiming allegiance to Jesus, is a sacrifice that continues on in your life. So this imprisoned apostle facing loneliness and facing death could have been filled with this morbid feeling of what was coming and an attitude of complaint Instead, he chose to express thanksgiving. He chose to express gratitude at the memory of the faithfulness of this younger friend, Timothy. In verse 6, this is why I remind you, Timothy, fan, uh, fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Each of you who claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you do not have to ask or beg for a spiritual gift. It has already been given to you. That's part of the process of becoming a believer. You were given a spiritual gift. And Paul is telling Timothy, he says, now just like a fire and a campground... You've got to stoke the fire, you've got to keep the timbers moving, you've got to add new fuel to that fire, just like your spiritual gift, you've got to keep fanning the flame in that spiritual gift. You've got to use it, and you've got to keep adding to it. Not that you add more of the spiritual gift, you just got to keep utilizing that spiritual gift and adding fuel to the fire to utilize that spiritual gift for the benefit of others. And so you have a responsibility of fanning that flame of your spiritual gift. And if you want to be effective in your life with ministry, and every believer, every single believer is called to ministry, and every single believer has a spiritual gift, at least one, and no believer has all of them. That's why we need each other. But every believer has at least one spiritual gift, and Paul is saying your job is to continually fan the flames of that spiritual gift by using it for ministry for the benefit of others if you want to be effective that's what happens but when you fail to use that spiritual gift it's just like letting the campfire die out on its own whatever paul did in serving god he always did it with a full commitment to god verse 7 for God does not give us or has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Paul explains the reason uh, for his direction in the previous verse and his reference here to the spirit of fear. This is not the Holy Spirit, obviously, but um, the Holy Spirit does not produce timidity, which is cowardness. The spirit of cowardness would falter under the load of responsibility that Paul was placing on Timothy. I'm I'm telling you what, the responsibility that we have for others, that's a weight, but it's a privilege. I mean, I have to ask myself sometimes, what if I'm the only person that gets to share the gospel with this particular person. Now, that's a weight. So I don't want to have a spirit of fear or cowardness about that. But rather, I want to have a spirit of power and love and self-discipline to do something about it. And I can say to myself, Lord, if indeed this person that you've allowed to cross my path that if I'm the one opportunity for them to hear about Jesus let me do it in the power of your spirit let me do it with the love of Jesus and let me be disciplined to not cower away from this verse 8 so never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord And don't be ashamed of me, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. Well, I believe a spiritual truth from God's word is that when you seek after God, there will be persecution. When you seek to live for God... There will be persecution. People will try to keep you from God. Even people who claim to be Christians. There are a lot of cultural Christians in our midst, in our our community. They claim to know Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. I want to share with you a video video. I, um, one of our newer individuals in our fellowship, I had lunch with Braylee and her husband Tanner. Tanner grew up in Gateway, and uh, he had moved away to Kentucky uh, for work and, uh, and has come back and brought a wife with him, and I had lunch with them and heard her story, and I said, Braylee, I said, Braley, I said our, our church needs to hear your story. And, uh, and so she agreed to that, and I'm very thankful. And, and it's gonna be a privilege in two weeks to be, uh, participate in her baptism. So take a moment and listen to Braylee's story about um, how God showed up in her life.
1: Hi, my name is Braylee, and I would like to share with you all my story. Um, When I was nine was the first time I ever um, came into contact with church and uh, Christians. And my first experience was kind of rough. Uh, My mom had remarried into a family who had been going to that church for a long time. Uh, So she was the new wife and we were the new kids. She had tattoos and piercings and all those things, and you could feel when you walked into the room that everybody was like talking about her. Us, and it was super uncomfortable all the time to just be sitting in a room with people who were supposed to be loving and caring, and they weren't that way. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. You're doing great. Um. So, my mom made the decision. She said that we didn't have to go anymore because that's not something she wanted to subject us to. So, but if we still wanted to go, we could. But I just decided that that wasn't that wasn't something, and those weren't people that I wanted to be around. And and then when I was 14, I uh, did what every 14-year-old does and fell in love uh, with someone. And. You know, his family, they were Christians, and he was brought up in church. And unfortunately, that relationship was extremely toxic for me. Um, I was always told that I wasn't good enough, um, that no one else would ever love me, and that, that I wasn't ever gonna amount to anything in my life. Um, and that lasted for seven years of constantly being told that I wasn't enough. The final thing for me is I said, okay, that's it. He doesn't care about me. Everything that everybody's ever told me of me not being a good enough is true. And I'm not good enough because God doesn't love me either. Um, so then I went off to college and it was wonderful. Um, I met so many people, but they weren't helping me at all. You know, I was, making such poor choices with my life that didn't make me feel good about myself, but I was doing them to try to find something that was going to help me and it never did. So when I was 20, I met my husband Tanner and he was a Christian and his family was a Christian so that was a little uncomfortable for me at first. And I had already decided that it's not going to work out, but something just kept pushing me towards him, no matter how many times I'd try to not text him or not talk to him. We constantly were always doing something together, and it was just a friendship at that point. And that friendship grew into love, and he knew that I wasn't a Christian. He knew that my standpoint on that, and he knew that that was not a comfortable situation for me. But it was time to meet his family, and he said, you don't have to talk about it. You don't have to bring it up. They're not going to." And I was like, yeah, right. Uh, everybody I've ever met that was a Christian always makes me feel like I'm a horrible person for not being one, so this is not going to be any different. And he, then he told me that we were also going to church on Sunday. And so that was super uncomfortable for me. I was like, okay, what do I wear? Do I have to take my nose ring out? Do I need to cover up my tattoos? All this stuff. And he's like, no. Just be yourself. I said, okay, I'm gonna walk through the door and everyone's gonna see me. Everyone's gonna look at me and know that I don't belong there and it's gonna be super awkward. He's like, well, just try it out and see how it's gonna go. So I went and nobody noticed me. And that was actually a good thing for me because I didn't feel out of place or uncomfortable. And that kind of sparked something in me and I didn't know at the time, but God really started working on me. So I became so interested in all these things and Don would preach and I would come home and be like, but what does that mean? And when he says this, what does that mean? And all this stuff. And it was, we'd stay up all night long and talk about these things, but still in my heart, I was still super unsure about everything. I didn't know, I wasn't sure if It was just because it was new to me that I was asking. I didn't know if, I didn't know what was happening. And um, he still decided to marry me even though I wasn't a Christian. Uh, But the day we got married uh, was June 22nd. And on June 23rd, we got in the car and we moved to South Carolina. And I remember getting home and I was still really upset because I had just left my life in Kentucky and now I'm here in South Carolina trying to start over basically at 22. And we then got into a conversation about God again. And we're sitting there and it's getting late and I was like, you know what, I bet if I had my own Bible I could answer these questions for myself. So I got my first Bible at 22. So finally I asked Tanner's father, where do I start? And he was like, John is a good place to start. So it took me about a week to get to John 3. And when I got there, I felt super emotional and I started reading and I was like, well, let me take a moment, pray about it. And I feel like this right now is this God talking to me in a different way for some reason now that I'm in this section of the Bible. And so I'd never heard of John 3.16, not once. So I happened to get there, and I just felt this like swarm of emotions come over me, and I said, "I don't know what's happening, but I feel like I should just write it down." And I wrote down, "I believe that Jesus died for me, and that <laughs> and that God does love me." So later that night, I showed Tanner and he was like, you know what you just did, right? And I was like, I think so, but I just don't, I I don't know if I feel like I'm doing this right. I don't know if this is real almost. I can't, this almost feels, it, it felt so crazy to write that down after 22 years of feeling inadequate completely and being told that God was never gonna love me and now I feel like he does. Um, and so that Sunday, I go into church and I sit down. and I'm still feeling pretty nervous and awkward about it because I had just made a huge decision and I didn't, there was no way to confirm if he had got the message or <laughs> anything like that. So I sit down and service starts, and over the TV plays John 316. And I knew at that moment that that was God telling me that I was enough. My name is Braylee Cornwell, and God has confirmed that I am enough.
0: Wow. Yes. And I would tell Braylee, God did get the message. And I think Brayley understands that the first church experience that she had was not a church, it was a club and the first so-called Christians that she encountered were not Christians, they were club members. For someone who claims Jesus does not say you're worthless. God can never love you. So I'm thankful, Braley, that you chose to believe the truth of God's word. And it was God's word that brought salvation into her life and it was being around real believers (laughs) being around those who love you unconditionally in verse 9 it says for God saved us and called us to live a holy life he did this not because we deserved it but because that was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. Let that sink in. God saved Brayley, And he did this not because she deserved it, but because he had a plan for her from the beginning of time to show his grace to her through Christ Jesus So when she read John 3:16 she heard the Holy Spirit speak to her and that's how she knew This salvation that he has provided to us it's not deserved at all and that's why true believers could never show haughtiness, superiority. We don't deserve it. That's why we are to remain humble and thankful. And, and that's why we want the, we want the same salvation uh, that we've experienced for all to see and to know. In verse 10 he says, and now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus our savior he broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news so when john 3:16 was read god illuminated his word and the path was made made clear and evident Oh, now physical death still exists, but it's no longer a threat. It's no longer an enemy to us as, as believers because it's simply a door we walk through to go and be with him for all eternity. And so whatever God has called you to do with your life, he, whether it's in a profession, whether it's in the home, if you're a child of God, if you've called on the name of Jesus Christ, He has given you a ministry and he has empowered you with a spiritual gift to do that ministry. And he has given you a spirit of power and love and self-discipline to live out that ministry. And he wants people who do not know him to see Jesus through you. Verse 11 And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. That is why I'm suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed for it or of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I'm sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Well, what Paul had entrusted to him was his eternal soul. And and he knew that no matter what happened to him in this life, even if his life was taken away, which it would be not too long from now, and, and from the time he wrote this, he knew that God was there and would be there and that God would take him to be with him for all eternity. And so he was fine. He was not afraid of death because it couldn't hurt him. Paul told Timothy in verse 13, he says, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, Carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. You have a truth that has been placed in you. The truth is that Jesus Christ died on a cross and will forgive your sins. And you do not hold on to that truth as if you're in some special club and nobody else is allowed unless they have a password, you're holding on to that truth to be shared, to tell others, to express it. And you do not do it in fear and trembling, but you do it with power and love. The gospel changes lives. The gospel changes eternal life it'll change that life here and now and it will change that life for eternity so what are you hanging on to are you still listening to the ringing in your ears and are you focusing on your pains and your aches and your complaints your complaints or are you focused on the privilege that you have to fan the flames of the spiritual gift that God has entrusted to you for the sake of sharing with someone else the good news of Jesus Christ. There are a whole bunch of Braylies out there who needs to know that God has not forgotten them, who needs to know that God loves them, who needs to know that there's forgiveness and acceptance. I wonder what difference it would make if the next time you make your way to church, that in the car, you as a family just pray, Lord, let us find that one that needs a hug, that needs a word of affirmation, that needs to be loved. Lord, I might be the only expression of Jesus that they see today. And when you come to church looking for that one to love on, you're being the church. You are being Christ to that person. The power of the gospel, that has been entrusted to you. And it still changes lives. Let's pray.